Hey, this is Jim Dew, CEO of Dew Wealth Management. And if you want to create a life with more money, more meaning, and more freedom, you have to listen to the Shit You Don't Learn in College podcast with my good friend, Xander Fryer. How's it going? I'm Xander Fryer, just another millennial corporate dropout turned entrepreneur. Since quitting my day job as an engineer just over four years ago, I built a multi-million dollar coaching business, mentoring seven-figure business owners, professional athletes, award-winning musicians, Hollywood actors, best-selling authors, and hundreds of aspiring entrepreneurs. I truly believe that when we couple the right knowledge with a strong desire for action, anything is possible. But most of us are never given the right knowledge, the shit you don't learn in college. The Sidlick Podcast shares interviews from the world's most successful people in business, finance, sports, health, and entertainment in order to help you live a life filled with more money, more meaning, and more freedom than you ever thought possible. Get ready to learn the shit you don't learn in college. How's it going, everybody? Xander Fryer here, and we are back with another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. Today, we've got a good friend of mine, Jim Du, who I'm actually also a client of. Jim is the CEO and founder of Do Wealth Management. He has a 26-year career building virtual family offices for entrepreneurs. He's a certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant, and a certified private wealth advisor. Uh, so he knows a thing or two about money. Jim is known for speaking on national stages for elite entrepreneurs and has been a guest on podcasts like Entrepreneurs on Fire and Business Lunch. He's been featured in Inc., Entrepreneur, and Huffington Post magazines and is the author of the book Beyond a Million, The Entrepreneur's Playbook for Expanding Wealth, Freedom, and Time. You are not going to want to miss this episode because it is packed with money strategies. We're going to dig into the difference between true wealth building and just income. We're going to talk about how billionaires allocate their money and how they think about money differently than most people. We're going to talk about the strategies to invest in things like stocks and cryptocurrencies. And the one question that Jim's wife asks him every single year that has absolutely transformed his life. And don't forget, we only spread our message when you share this knowledge with others that need it. So if you enjoy this episode, please share it on social and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. Every week, my team goes through our reviews. And for every new five-star review, we plant a tree to restore the rainforest in Madagascar and provide a child in India one year of e-learning. So if you give us a review, you're giving back too. All right. How's it going, everybody? Xander Fryer here, and we are back with another great episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And today we've got uh, a good friend of mine, and I'm actually a client of his, uh, Jim Du. Jim, welcome to the show. Thanks, Xander. Yeah, it's great to be here. Great to see you. Yeah, you know, we were just talking about this before, but, uh, you know, a big part of, of shit you don't learn in college, we tell everybody, you know, living a life with more money, more meaning, and more freedom. And a big part of that is the more money part, right? One of the big reasons that we go to college is to learn how to make an income. Um, and I was just telling you before, um, you know, I have a lot of entrepreneurs on here, then we like to talk about money, but I'm really excited to get you on somebody who actually knows about money um, so that we can actually dig in with you. But Jim, you're the, you're the founder of uh, Do Wealth Management. I'd love for you to kind of explain to everybody what Do Wealth does, how it came to be, and we can start to dig into some some money conversation if you can. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'll give my brief history. So in college, 
I wanted to make a difference in the world. I still do. So I got a math degree and became a public school math teacher. And after five years of doing that, I realized that I like helping people, but I don't like to work in a broken system. So I looked for something else that involved numbers that could help people. And I found financial services. So I started in that four years after I started, I realized I thought to myself, this seems like a broken system too, because (laughs) advice is being given by banks, brokerage firms, insurance companies. And really, I didn't feel like the end client was getting the best advice in every situation. So I got in an argument with my manager. I went home and vented to my wife, Mimi, who you know. And after she listened for about 20 minutes, she shrugged her shoulders and said, you need to start your own company. I was like, what are you talking about? This is like banks and insurance companies. And she said, I didn't say I knew how you could do it. I just said, that's that's amazing. Yeah. So, uh, so that's what we did. And we started our company together in 1999. It's been 22 years. And that was the first big change in in my life and our life that we realized we're entrepreneurs. So we thought, well, who do we want to serve? Let's serve people like ourselves. Let's serve entrepreneurs. And then the next big break or the big change that created what we do today is I thought I knew everything there was to know about wealth planning for entrepreneurs. And and I don't know, Xander, if you ever have been in a point where your life where you just thought, I kind of I kind of know a lot, but I feel like there's a higher level. There's something right, something else out there. And so I started asking around and someone said, well, you know what billionaires do? They create these things called family offices and and that's how they manage wealth. And I thought. That's kind of interesting. So I started asking my network, my connections, anybody I knew. And sure enough, the universe somehow connected me to a very good friend of a very good friend of mine who happens to be the grandson of a billionaire. And so he said, when I told him I'm really interested in this, he said, well, look, you're not going to meet with my grandfather, the billionaire, but I can get you to meet with the family office CEO who created the family office and everything else. And, And just for your listeners, a family office is where a billionaire will hire all the needed tax, legal, insurance, and investment professionals, all the attorneys and accountants as full-time employees working for that one billionaire and his or her family. So I thought, well, this is a great opportunity. I flew out to New York City. I met with the CEO and we hit it off. And he just said, hey, if you want to stay around, I can show you our systems, our processes, you know, how we do it. And on the flight home, I had all these pages and pages of notes. And it just struck me, you know, this is the best way for wealth planning and wealth management for not just billionaires, but any entrepreneur. Yeah. And then I thought, well, you know what? You need about 300 or $400 million to create your own one of these because they're very expensive, but they're also very- You've, got, you've got full-time employees that are just focused on your wealth and asset protection. That's it. I mean, payroll yeah. alone is huge, but they're yeah. really valuable. That's why Oprah has one and Bill Gates has one. And you know, virtually every billionaire creates one Yeah. because they're really valuable. So I thought, well, I wonder if we could create called a virtual family office at a fraction of the cost for entrepreneurs like us and our clients who are successful. They have great businesses, but they're, they're not, you know, they don't have $300 million of liquid net worth. So that was yeah. kind of the mission that we set out our calling. And then along the way, we made some changes as we learned and made the model that, you know, you're working with, and we have lots of entrepreneurs working with today. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely amazing. And first of all, thank you for helping me. Um, but yeah, so for, for, uh, uh, for everybody out there, Jim and his team are just absolutely phenomenal. Um, but I have, I have a couple of questions for you just around like wealth in general and, um, you know, money planning. I think money, money for this is, this is absolutely something that is not taught in school. Right. So when it comes to, uh, wealth, what do you think, what do you think are maybe 
um, let's say one of the biggest mistakes that people make when it comes to wealth building, what would you say is? Yeah. And, and by the way, thank you for your, your kind comment. And, you know, I wouldn't take that for any of your listeners as an endorsement, you know, always do your own research. I just want to kind of slip that in there. Yeah. Uh, uh, so when it comes to money mistakes, I think some of the biggest money mistakes people make are one thing is quite simply focusing on income instead of wealth building. Yeah. So income is really important and you need to make income first as a first step. But then I meet a lot of entrepreneurs who are making these huge incomes or, or big profits out of their company, but they're not truly building wealth because they're focused on, hey, how much more can I drive revenue? How much more can I drive profit instead of how much wealth can I build in a certain period of time? So part of it is a mindset, just yeah. looking at wealth rather than just income. So, so how do you do that? How do you start to make that shift? What's the difference between wealth and income for you? Yeah, so wealth, I would say, is building assets that can create a sustainable income. So yeah, in my book that you might mention on the call, but uh, Beyond a Million, in my book, I talk about you have this money printing machine, which is your business. Yeah, and the great thing like about the gold, it's like the goose that lays the golden eggs. Yeah. Exactly. It's like the goose that lays the golden eggs. And and that can, by the way, will print money faster than any other way you can invest. Your own company is always going to be a better investment. I don't care who's telling you to invest with them. Your company is yeah. always going to be a better investment than doing something else. Yeah. But that money printing machine, once you get it going, the problem with that is it takes your time, your energy, your creativity. It's susceptible to competition. And, you know, if you get burnout, there's all these things that can happen. So ideally, what you want to do is either have a liquidity event, sell it, have an exit right in the future, which generally we tell entrepreneurs, you want to be planning at least two or three, preferably five years in advance of your sale just to get the best after tax outcome in your pocket, among many yeah. other things. But besides that, whether you exit or not, because a lot of entrepreneurs think they're going to exit and there aren't as many exits as entrepreneurs think, but you also want to be siphoning money off to start building another money-making machine. Now, this one's going to print money way slower. It's not going to be yeah. as exciting. It's not going to be as cool. But once that money ma machine can print money as fast as your business, now you have true freedom because you don't have to run the business. You can if you want to, but you don't have to. So that's the first thing I would say is start building that second money-making machine. And how do you do that? Start siphoning off money from your business and putting it into different places. Now, more advanced, I like you to move those into pockets where you can actually get advanced, you know, simple and advanced tax planning. So if you yeah. can get the bang for the buck where there's a tax purpose as well as an investment purpose. But if you follow me on this, I don't care if you start with $100 a month. But start making that automated. So there's a, a book by my friend uh, David Bach. He's a New York Times bestseller called Automatic Millionaire. And it's really written for the masses. But that's and it's an old book, but it's a really yeah. good book because, I mean, Mimi and I do this ourselves, just automating your saving and investing. So it just comes out almost like a mortgage payment, because if you think about it, people generally don't miss their mortgage payments or their car payments. But yeah. sometimes they'll go a year, two, three years, and they say, you know, we haven't really saved anything. We haven't saved anything. We haven't put anything aside because it's not automated. It's the old buy, you know, pay yourself first type, the Benjamin Franklin thing. But then the next key is, and I don't care if it's 20 bucks a month, but you get that automated. And whether you're investing into stocks and bonds or cryptocurrency or a variety of things, and we can talk about that in a second, yeah. but getting going on that automatic investing and then one big key, and I'll just share you a personal key to Mimi and, and, and my situation and our wealth building, is every December we have a meeting. 
because I'm a saver and I'm not to say Mimi's not a spender. She's not, but she's not as much a saver as me. So I, I could yeah. save everything and live in a little crappy apartment and just count my shillings. But Mimi's like, we got to live our life. So it's a good balance. But every, every December we sit down, we ask ourselves this one simple question, how much more are we going to save and invest this coming year than we did this last year? How much more are we going to save and invest this coming year than last year? Sounds like a really simple question. So if you start at 20 bucks a month or a hundred bucks a month, then you go, how much more? Okay. I saved a hundred bucks a month last year. This year I'm going to save 200 bucks a month. And then you make that automated. So it pulls out of your checking account, just like a bill. And yeah. what you'll notice is you can do this, whether you're an entrepreneur or in a nine to five, it doesn't really make a difference. It doesn't make a difference. Everybody can yeah. do this. The problem with entrepreneurs is they often make money in chunks and yeah. then they easily can spend that money on all kinds of things. And, and you really want to reinvest in your business, but you also don't want to get in a situation where 10 years later, you've reinvested in your business and you've got no money outside. So it really, your whole life is dependent on this business still. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think so that's, that's an really automated thing, something easy that you can do. And then the other simple thing is no matter what you're saving today, when you make more money, and this also is true, whether you're an employee or you're a business owner, when you start making more money, save half, spend half. Save half, spend half, because yeah. even if you're not saving anything today, if you do that in five years or 10 years, you're going to be shocked at how much you're actually saving. And you're yeah. still enjoying the fruits of your labor, because if you're like my parents that grew up in the Great Depression uh, and they're, they both passed away. But my parents, they were about like always save more. Yeah, always well, save. Yeah. Then you don't enjoy your life and you don't get to do fun so, things and stuff. So like save that. so save half, spend half, basically meaning like. If I were to make an extra, let's call it $1,000 cash after taxes every month, save half of that, put 500 away and spend 500 on new fun shit. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because that way, like if, that. if you punish yourself and you don't spend anything, then it almost, you feel like you're working in the salt mines or something. I was, was going to say, you almost take away the desire to make any more money if you yeah. don't enjoy any of it. Yeah. 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 I, I just, I, you, my wealth manager just told me to spend more money. I'm going to take that down. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> exactly. um, I'll make sure to go tell Maddie. Um, <laughs> no, I think that's great. Uh, question for you. You mentioned, you mentioned some of the different asset categories, stocks, bonds, crypto. Uh, what are your favorite asset categories and what are your thoughts on, I, the, like our financial world is very different today than it was, let's say, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Like, what are your thoughts on some of this stuff? Yeah, great question. So what, what we like to do with clients, and I think this is good for, for anyone, is you have to have discipline. Every great investor has discipline. So I don't care yeah. if you take Warren Buffett or his kind of his mentor, the person he looked up to, Benjamin Graham, who yep. advised to six or seven presidents. No matter who you look at, every great investor has discipline. They just yeah. don't look for cool ideas of stuff they want to invest in. So how do you how do you do that? So what we like to do is start with the way billionaires are allocated, where their money is, because they're pretty smart, and then start with where you're currently allocated and then create a glide path to get to a billionaire allocation. But it doesn't have to be theirs. That's just a starting point. It can be your own. So I'll just tell you the, the most recent billionaire allocation, where their money is allocated. This might be interesting. So yeah. they've got 16%, uh, let's see, 32% publicly traded stocks, 16% publicly traded bonds, 18% real estate, 19% venture capital and private equity, 7% cash, 5% hedge funds, and 3% currencies and commodities. That 
I think that adds up to 100. Yeah. So that's the way they're currently allocated. That doesn't mean that's how you should be allocated. Where does Bitcoin fall into that? Yeah, that's a great question. That would probably <laughs> fall under the, the currencies and commodities. Okay. And by the way, you know, billionaires aren't putting huge amounts of money yep. yet into cryptocurrency. We're starting to see some of that. Uh, but what I would say is cryptocurrency is a real thing. And yeah. it's based on blockchain, which is even a more real thing as far as yeah. how it's going to impact the world. Uh, that being said, I still and I have my you know crypto friends and experts that tell me it's not speculative. But here's my def definition of speculative. Something you invest in because you think the price is going to go up and something you sell because you think the price is going to go down. And anyone listening might say, well, that's anything I invest in. Not necessarily. So let me just add a little nuance to that. Let's say I buy Apple stock. Yeah, I want the price to go up and I want to sell it if I think the price is going to go down. But Apple has employees. Apple has a ton of cash. Apple has products in the pipeline. Apple owns buildings. There's all these things that I can look to that give an intrinsic value to that investment. Right. It's it's a moat around this, this thing. Yeah. We know there's some reasons there's some value in that. So if you talk about cryptocurrency, take Bitcoin, for example. Bitcoin is really not an accepted currency on a large scale. I know there's certain countries, there's little things, you know, Elon said, you can buy my car with it. Now you can't buy my car with it, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it's not, you know, I'm not going to go down, uh, I'm not going to go to Vegas with my Bitcoin and be able to gamble my Bitcoin. Or, so there's some things you can do around the edges, but it's really not a currency that's being used in mass quantities across the world. People are buying it because they think it's going to be a big thing and they think it's going to go up in value. But because of that, it's still a speculative investment. That being said, I have no issue and I, in fact, encourage entrepreneurs that you don't want to ignore those types of investments. But that would be more on your high risk piece. Yeah. So whether we take the billionaire allocation or you just want to talk high, medium and low risk, you could do something as simple as, OK, I want to put 20 percent of my money in high risk. I want to put 40 percent of my money in medium risk and I want to put 40 percent of my money in low risk. And you could change that. You could say, I want to put 40% in high risk, 40% medium risk, 20% low risk. But you need some sort of framework. Otherwise, you're going to just go crazy and do silly things. And I met entrepreneurs who are, you know, 80% Bitcoin and 20% cash. And they've got millions of dollars allocated that way. And by the yeah. way, maybe they're right. And maybe Bitcoin is going to be $100,000, you know, in a few months. Uh, but the, the the other thing is, look, you get rich by being concentrated in a business in America. 95% of the people who have more than $20 million of li liquid net worth owned a business. So it's very simple. Own a business if you want to be seriously rich. But you stay seriously rich by being diversified outside of that business. And a lot of entrepreneurs think they're going to get rich by picking the right coin that's worth 20 cents and it's going to go to $20. And that could happen. But you're, you're, you're also betting on luck and, and you really want to be good rather than lucky outside your business. Where you want to take the concentrated risk is in your business. And I can look back in all of history because, by the way, Bitcoin is not the only investment that has ever, ever gone up like Bitcoin's gone up. You can yeah. find penny stocks. You can find Internet stocks when the Internet first came out. You know, you can go all the way back to railroad stocks and auto stocks, you know, in the, yeah. in the 1920s and 30s. So this is not a new phenomenon where something can make someone rich overnight. But the problem is those things that can make you rich overnight can make you poor overnight. And yeah. trying to get rich by buying cryptocurrency, and by the way, there are a lot of people trying to do that. So it's a crowded market. 
that's hard and risky. The way I think is more reliable and, and less risky to get rich is, is owning your own business and building that. So I like crypto, but I want you to have a percentage that you're going to stick to. So let's say, yeah. say I'm going to own 20% of my portfolio in Bitcoin. Well, when you get to 22%, you better shut it down. You, you, have, you have to make sure that you're starting to uh, diversify that a little bit or reallocate. Yeah. You have to be disciplined. And then just because crypto is such a big topic, when you're buying cryptocurrency, I like a strategy. So I, I meet entrepreneurs that I say, you know, they go, I'm buying Ethereum or whatever. And I say, what, or Polkadot, or I say, well, what's your strategy for buying that coin? Yeah. And they go, you know, what do you mean? Well, are you just going to throw it all in and hold it for the next 20 years? Or are you going to put part of your allocation toward that today and then part when you see certain price points? So, and they go, well, what do you mean? Let me give you an example. Let's say I had $100,000 I wanted to put toward cryptocurrency. I might say, okay, here are the coins that I like. And then I'm, let's keep it simple. Let's say there's one coin that you like. I might say, okay, today I'm going to put in $30,000 and I'm going to hold that for a long, long time. And then I'm going to add $10,000 every time the price drops 20%. Then I'm going to add 10,000. Yeah. And then I'm also going to dollar cost average because I think it could just keep going up and maybe it won't drop down, which, you know, with cryptocurrency, it usually comes back. It's, to it's, it. Yeah, probably going to be pretty volatile, but yes, yeah, so it just keeps going up. So maybe you do that and then you say, and plus I'm going to put just in case I want a dollar cost average, I'm going to put $2,000 a month into my coin. I'm going to start with 30,000 and then I'm also going to drop in an extra 10 anytime the price drops 20% until I get to my 100,000. Then I'm going to look at my overall portfolio and maybe I'm making more money and I have more money money to allocate. So I'm just making this up as I go, but that's yeah. a at least you have a strategy because you're, you're making not, you're making the decisions on strategy beforehand. That's what right. it sounds like. That's right. Because otherwise what happens is and I just saw this with friends of mine where Oh, I heard I haven't been in Bitcoin and, you know, it's 50,000 or 58,000. I better get in. This thing's going to 100,000. Well, how do you know that? Well, everybody yeah. knows that it's going to 100,000 by the end of the year. They chunk in all their money at 58,000 and then Bitcoin dropped to what, 30 or something like that here yeah. recently. And, yeah. and then all of a sudden they're like, uh, what, what do I do? Well, what the hell? <laughs> should I sell? Maybe it's going to go down more or wait, I want to put more in. So maybe I should go gather money somewhere it, it, then it gets emotional and people lose when they get emotional. If they had a preset plan, yeah. then they wouldn't have put all their money in all at once at 58,000. They would have had some plan where, hey, it's probably going to move around a lot. And then they would have had a buying opportunity at 30 with money that they didn't have to go find somewhere else. So my point is, and this is crypto is just one example, but same thing's true of stocks. Think, same thing's yep. true of real estate. Like you have to have a game plan for doing this stuff and feel comfortable with that game plan. So it will take you through the good times and bad times. Yeah. And I, I think specifically, you know, one thing that I want to echo that you hit on for cryptocurrency, I think a lot of people are trying to use it as that get rich scheme, right? And what, I, I kind of pulled this out from what you said and tell me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you're saying, look, if you want to get rich, because 95% of people who get rich are, they, they own a business right? Yeah, you can do it in things like this. But the reality is both, if you think about it, both a business and cryptocurrency are speculative, yep. right? Like a business is also speculative. Cryptocurrency is speculative. The only difference being, well, you kind of have control over the business. You don't really have control over cryptocurrency. You can invest in Bitcoin at 58 grand and now it's down to 30 overnight with, you know, you had nothing to do with that. That's right. right. So. Yeah. And the thing about your business too, is if you truly, and, and I always tell entrepreneurs, 
whether they're starting a business or they have an established business, Mimi and I do this all the time, is ask yourself three questions. Who do you serve? What problem are you solving? And how are you solving it in a way that's different or better than the other options that that buyer has? And if you have a problem that you solve for a unique group in a way that they can't find a better or cheaper or, you know, cheaper is interesting, but a better or different option than you, Now you have something that that's how you can get rich. And that, I think yeah. it's easier to do that than know when to, when to buy polka dot, truthfully. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. So one of the things that I love about you and obviously working with you is, you know, when I got into, uh, when I got into this world of wealth building, right. And, and we had initial conversation. I, I remember one of the things that you pointed out to me is there's more than just, there's more than just the, the making money and then taking that money and having it make more money, right? Especially when it comes to thinking like a billionaire. What, what are, you know, what are the, some of the other things that most people don't think about in terms of like asset protection, like, uh, um, like insurance and things like that? Or what are some of those things that people need to be aware of when it comes to really truly building wealth? Yeah, well, the, the three outcomes that every entrepreneur, every, really every person needs to, to work through is, is first, they need absolute confidence in their team of professionals in the areas of tax, legal, insurance, and investment. If they have a business maximizing their wealth, both inside and outside the business, and then having a plan for sustainable wealth, those are like the three keys. And then to get there, there are three main drivers, and those are protect, manage, and grow. So protect is moving from vulnerable to secure, manage is moving from uncoordinated to worry-free, and then grow is moving from incremental growth to exponential growth. So those are like the, the key drivers. And then we have catalysts within each of those drivers. So for example, in protect, you want to make sure you do asset protection. This is from having the right kinds of liability protection, both personally and in your business, all the way up to advanced trust and entity design as you grow. Wealth transfer, which is if you have kids, making sure that they're not ruined by money, but they have opportunities. Whether you have kids or not, making sure that the right people step in to manage things if you get sick or injured or die. And that's whether you have a business, which is really, really important, or, or whether you don't have a business. And then finally, making sure that you have, you know, a team that is overseeing this stuff so that you can take your time and your energy and do things like build a business, because that's how you get rich. You don't get rich reading through your insurance policies or, or making sure you have the right, you know, the right asset protection. As much as I love reading through my insurance policies. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. You, you, you just touched on something really interesting. I think I actually want to talk about, cause uh, you know, we've, we've interviewed a lot of amazing entrepreneurs uh, on this show. And surprisingly, I'd say the high, high majority, uh, at least that I've interviewed, come don't come from a lot of money, right? They come from a, a lower class background. They had to work really hard to make it. They've had, you know, they've had some tough times in their childhood. And, and I've kind of noticed that that is, uh, that's, that's a commonality through a lot of the, the really driven entrepreneurs that I meet. And, you know, while I wasn't, you know, I wasn't poor by any means growing up, like I wasn't wealthy, you know, I had to pay my own way through college. I had to work ever since I was, you know, like 12 or 13 years old, just to, you know, like pay for gas in my car and stuff like that. Um, but you mentioned, you know, money, not ruining kids. Right. So I'd love to get your process, your, your perspective on that. Cause like thinking about like, you know, my, my goal, uh, is to make enough money for generational wealth. But at the same point, I don't, I don't want to ruin my kids by giving them uh, maybe too many opportunities or what you, I'm sure you hear this a lot, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. I do. Yeah. So the first thing that I'd say that gets overlooked a lot is the most valuable thing you would ever pass on to your children or grandchildren or the world in general 
is your wisdom, the things yeah. you've learned as an entrepreneur throughout your life. So we encourage our clients to start documenting through stories and videos their wisdom so that their kids and grandkids can have the wisdom. Because if you have the wisdom, you can recreate the wealth. Yeah. If you don't have the wisdom, you're going to you're going to lose the wealth. You're going to you're going <laughs> to waste it in all kinds of ways. Yeah. So that's one thing that gets missed a lot. And the second thing that that I would say about, you know, as, as far as um, uh, when it comes to wealth transfer is you can build out scenarios to make sure that your kids have opportunity but don't have uh, risk of being ruined by money. So here's just one thing. You can create something called an incentive trust through your attorney. And that would say, okay, for example, you can't get any money out of the trust unless you earn a dollar. So if you earn a dollar, you can get a dollar out of the trust. Huh. And then you can go on to say, okay, we're going to put a cap. You know, So if we have a kid who's making a million dollars a year, they're not going to take a million dollars out of the trust. And we could make a provision for we had one client who said that they wanted more money to come out if one of the children or grandchildren chose what they called an honorable profession, which one was school teacher, which yeah. I was one before, firefighter, police officer, social worker. Like they had a list of these certain things that they called, client's words, not mine, an honorable profession. They yeah. didn't want someone to get Instagram punished. influencer, I'm sure that falls under the honorable Instagram profession. Instagram influencer, right? I think, was on there. <laughs> Top of the list. Wait, wait, I'm not sure. But anyway, you know, so if, if someone was a teacher making $50,000 a year, they wanted them to get more out of the trust than, than someone who was, you know, had, had a job that was making a lot of money and it was easier. So anyway, those types of things, you can require certain things like, okay, money can come out to start a business. However, you have to go to this person I trust and know well, and you have to show a business plan and a marketing plan, and you have to hit benchmarks as you're doing it. Uh, you know, things that money should be hard to get, you know, and that's the other thing for, yeah. for kids. If, if money's easy to get, it loses its value. And to your point, most of our clients started from nothing. I mean, you know, Mimi and I started from very humble beginnings and I was a, a school teacher making, you know, $20,000 a year was the first year salary as a school teacher. So, you know, I know how to live that lifestyle. Uh, but because we've earned everything, that money means a lot more yeah. to us. And when we can do life experiences, like neither one of us ever knew there was this thing called the four seasons, right? When we can do <laughs> something like that, it's really like rewarding and fun yeah. because, we didn't grow up doing that. And that's a challenge. If you have kids that are going to the four seasons, it's harder to have, you know, get them to have first experiences like that or to earn their way into the four seasons. Cause you want to go to the four seasons, right? Yeah, absolutely. You, so you just mentioned something else I want to dig into a little bit. Um, it, it, it's almost as though because you've come from humble beginnings, money, money means something a little bit different to you. These experiences mean something a little bit different to you. Um, how, like what does money mean to you? Freedom would be the biggest thing by far. So freedom yeah. to do what I want when I want, freedom to, to build our business, freedom to decide how to run our business, freedom to take trips. You know, it's one thing that, that Mimi said, this was interesting. So my wife, Mimi, as you know, she was born in Korea and her family came over when she was five years old and they were on food stamps. They were very poor and kind of the American dream. And I asked her about money and what money meant to her and how she knew that kind of we had made it. And yeah. her answer was, when I go to the grocery store, I don't have to look at any prices. I can buy anything I want. Yeah. And even last night, we went out to dinner. We actually took out, uh, did a happy hour with our entire company. It was really fun. And afterwards, we were walking around Kirlin and Scottsdale. And she popped into a, a store and bought a couple of pairs of 
of shoes that, you know, were not shoes we would have considered buying, you know, when I was a school teacher. But it's cool for me to see that, that she yeah. can do that because she grew up where she could not do that. And we yeah. were first together where she could not do that. If she would have done that, it was like either pay rent or buy buy a pair of, you know, two pairs of shoes. So um, I think that is is what money means to me is the freedom and the ability to be your best self, to be able to give back. So if there's a charitable cause that we go, that's super cool. We can write a check. We can support that group. Just happened. I spoke at an event uh, last weekend before last, and they said there were a couple of people there who were running charities, and we got to know a couple of them really loved the idea. And we said, hey, we're in, and we were able to support them. So just that ability to be your best true self. Be, I be think more of you. Yeah. Be more of you. Back. Yeah. And by the way, if you're an a-hole, then maybe you shouldn't get more money. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep like the egg coming out. Up? I tried to make it G-rated for you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, because we're, we're very big on profanity. We say stuff you don't learn in college most of the time. <laughs> um, no, I think, I think that's really crucial. You know, we always tell people that money just makes you more of who you really are, right? So if you're a good person and you're going to give back more and you're going to impact people's lives for the better, um, having that's really crucial. So. I love that. Jim, this is this has already been absolutely amazing. I could probably dig into this for hours with you. Um, I may need to get, get you back on the show so we can dig into some stuff more in sure. depth. But uh, I think this is really helpful for everybody. Where can where can everybody learn more about Do Wealth uh, and everything that you do? Yeah, well, you can go to our website, dowealth.com. You can also go to, we actually created a quiz for entrepreneurs. It's a nine question quiz that can kind of show you where you are in your wealth building. If you go to makerichreal.com, makerichreal.com, that's a place you can take that quiz. And then you can grab my book or my audio book off of Amazon. It's Beyond a Million and by me, Jim Do. Those are probably the best ways to connect. Awesome. Beautiful, Jim. Thanks for the time. Great to see you, Xander. Absolutely. All right. That's all we have for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And if you did, please share this episode on your social media and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. We can only spread our message when you share this knowledge with the others that need it. So we really appreciate the support. Thanks a ton. Thanks a ton.